0: Hi, we are in the first episode of uh, History and Politics, and we are here with a great guest, which is um, Hilde Restad, who teaches um, international relations at the at the Bjornis College in Oslo, Norway. Hi, Hilde. Hi.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So. The, the topic that we are going to discuss is something that, that it has been talked very little, but it's, I think it's kind of a subject that, that should have uh, a lot more of, of, uh, of a study, which is uh, the place of Scandinavian American politics. Uh, particularly in the last time, Scandinavia has, has become a lot of, uh, of talking points in, in, for American politicians and bandits uh, first in the in the campaign trail because of, of Bernie Sanders talking about, um, about the Scandinavian social democracy. And, and then with, um, uh, with the right wing sides like Braver keep talking that, 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 that Scandinavia in particular, Sweden was kind of a disaster, but, but then the idea is that, that, uh, of raver have become like much more mainstream uh, not only are bloggers talking about this, these issues but even Trump when he said uh, uh, uh of of that apparently uh, a terrorist that have happened on, on on Sweden in a campaign rally and that they didn't nothing happened in Sweden uh, and then obviously the, the remarks about the uh, that he preferred Norwegian immigrants over over immigrants from from third world countries and things like that. So, uh, what what is really going on? Uh, are Scandinavians taken by surprise that that, that, that American politics have started talking a lot about them?
1: Well, I I mean I'm so I'm from Norway so I uh, can sort of only speak about Norway, really, because we're the, we're the smallest country in Scandinavia. We're smaller than Sweden and Denmark, so we're always uh, completely surprised when anyone knows that we exist. Uh, <laughs> so that's always a bit surprising to us. Um, but I think the, um, the explanation for why Donald Trump started talking about why he wanted more immigrants coming from Norway uh, rather than so-called shithole countries <laughs> It's just because he had just met the Norwegian prime minister who had been there on a visit and talked to him. And as we know, Donald Trump's attention span is very, very short. So I guess that was the last thing that he thought about was the last meeting he had. And so Norway popped into his, his brain. But yeah, in general, Scandinavia is, is often used as a, an example of social democracy and Uh, so I can understand, it makes sense why Bernie Sanders would want to talk about Denmark. Although I remember, uh, Hillary Clinton hit back at him in the, in the nomination campaign and said, well, the United States isn't Denmark, which she is right about. They are very different countries for sure. Um, but I think to the extent that it's ever used, it's usually just used as a sort of distant example of some sort of social democratic, uh, ideal state that the United States can't or won't, uh strive to be like
0: yeah i i I think that it's it's very curious because uh, there have been as someone from latin america there has been some talk about scandinavia particularly in chile Uh, so it has quite um and also because in chile has has a lot of chileans live in, in sweden so a lot of Chileans move back in, in some some parts but uh, yeah I mean it's it seems like like the Scandinavian model is 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 really interesting but but also when when one hears news about how far right it has gained a lot of support in it, in, in scandinavia it's it's very curious in, in particular sweden which is the larger country i guess in in scandinavia has literally a party that it's uh, its origins and are the neo-nazi movement like the like sweden democrats and have gained so much ground and if i i'm not wrong in the last poll they, they seem to outperform even the, the social democrats who are have been traditional in church in sweden so it seems like um Scandinavia may not be as as idyllic as 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 people think and and it's very complex to to try to to detach the 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 ideas of of, and there is a, a really huge debate about what constructed um social democracy in a way that was more much more um effective because um, the only country in Latin America who has had some kind of social democracy so, that I relatively am more or less aware is Chile. But Chile has a lot and very strong confrontation with indigenous people, particularly the, the Mapuche. And that has continued even on, on the social democratic government. So it, it, some people would argue that, that that particularly the... The Scandinavian welfare state was constructed around uh, relatively ethnic homogeneity, and that is uh, an issue that that, that 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 is kind of dividing a lot of people on the left. If some people want to talk about uh, Scandinavia as a model, but others want to to think that that that, that a model should be other, and and it's it's really kind of complex to know where the discussion is going, but. For Bernie, I, I guess the, the example is more more of Scandinavia, in particular because he hails he from Vermont, uh, which is a, a very ethnically homogeneous state.
1: Well, so I think that's something that uh, Americans will point to when Scandinavia is used as an example, is that they will say, well, these are small countries that are quite ethnically homo- uh, homogeneous. And so um, it's not, it's you know, the United States is a very, very different kind of, uh, state, and it's really hard to translate what has been done in Scandinavia with to the United States into the American context And I would have to agree with them on that now the Scandinavian states are not ethnically homo- uh, homogenous and uh, of course they all have uh, Indigenous populations too the Sami people or yeah. Norway and Sweden do um, So but leaving that aside, it's not the same as the United States. The United States is in a completely different situation It was founded uh, on, you know, by one ethnicity against another ethnicity on the backs of that other ethnicity. It's completely different. Um, so I, I, I am very sympathetic to people who argue that the U.S. and Scandinavia are so different that you can't just translate. You can't translate directly politi- economic and political economy solutions from the U.S. to Scandinavia, and you can't do it the other way. It doesn't mean you can't learn from each other and take certain things that might work but you can't just directly translate. So in that sense, Hillary Clinton had a point when she said, well, the U.S. isn't Denmark. Maybe Vermont is, but the U.S. isn't <laughs>
0: Denmark. Yeah, I, I think it's also very curious the the, re, the relationships that, 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 the, um, that the more radical right has with, with Trump, and, and I was thinking. In- yes,
1: yes, to get, sorry, because you, you talked about that and I forgot to address that. That's a very interesting thing because, <clears throat> Uh, The far sort of the far right populist movement in Europe right now is a it's a big phenomenon. It's an important phenomenon. And it is sort of it is interesting to see that Donald Trump more than anything else looks like and sounds like a European far right politician, which is unusual. You haven't really seen something as European as that in American politics before. Um, So that's a very curious thing to see. Um, But you also, you were talking about your your Swedish uh, Mm -hmm. far-right party. Uh, We have one in Denmark. We have a a right-wing populist party in Norway as well. But all of these parties, in in terms of the social welfare state, they're all in favor of the social welfare state. They're not small uh, small government uh, politicians at all. They're for big government. It's just they're for the welfare state for a certain group of people not for others.
0: Yeah, actually the column the is run a, an article about that and, and said that Sweden Democrats on, on, on welfare issues were to the left of, of, of yeah. social Democrats. I don't know, it, yeah. I think in Norway they they started as neoliberal parties for, for yeah. fun, and it sounds kind of strange as it sounds.
1: Yeah, so exactly, uh, but has just become a, a right-wing populist party although not as extreme as you see in Sweden or Denmark.
0: Yeah, I think Iceland also doesn't, has much more moderate. I guess they have very less immigration. But even in Finland, they also have less immigration, and the true things have gained more ground in more broader Nordic states. Yeah, it's 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 really it's really curious that that it's I haven't looked at, at, at Trump like this, but it's true that he sounds more like Nordic populists than than even Pat Buchanan or or the Paleo conservatives have. Um, I, I want to say not necessarily intellectual pretensions because I think some of them are, are rooted in academia and have written books and, and I think have more of a, of a vision of, of a country with has more that is kind of more coherent in some way even if if that vision it's relatively exclusive to to particularly Christian and, and why in a certain degree I told I know that there, there is a, a British uh, who, historian with me a biography of of Patrickanna said that, that his campaign also tried to 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 reach to to non white people that already live in the US although he wasn't completely successful at that but but anyway that that is not the kind of of of, of, of populism that represents Trump because Trump represents a populism that is much more less intellectually um, focused and, and, and argumentative in, in the way. And it's much more like trying to, to make people panic about uh, about immigration that was kind of the central focus of, of, this, of the Scandinavian right, And I guess in, in a lot of parts of, of, of Europe also, and was kind of the, the one issue that, 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 that was really strong.
1: Oh, yeah. Trump is pure identity politics. He's playing on white, uh, also, I think, male uh, Christian identity, and he is stoking fears among white Christians in the United States, making them feel or exacerbating something they're already feeling that their identity is threatened. So it has a lot to do with immigration and religion and skin color, and it is classic right wing populism.
0: And, and how you see Norway i think the members of the progress party have at least some have nominated him for the for the Nobel Peace Prize
1: yes two of the two parliament two members of the progress party who are now part of the governing coalition with the conservative party have nominated Donald Trump for the peace prize so <laughs> well, there you go but two, uh, there yeah yeah, on the other They're hand
0: I was reading that, that in his European tour like Stevanum appeared with, with several right wing parties, but in even in Sweden where in theory they are the most uh radical of, of the Scandinavian far right parties, I mean they, they are kind of were kind of wary of of, of, of trying to speak with them and and, and, and I think in, in one poll that was done in several countries around the world, in Sweden, Trump was least popular. So I guess that even them are having some troubles uh, embracing Trump to a large degree because of how unpopular he is. And also because they are trying to to gain votes from from the more of traditional parties, because a lot of the right-wing populism has focused on, on trying to gain uh, working-class votes in, in some way, and some of these working-class voters come from much more social-democratic, labor-oriented uh, households that have voted for than traditionally, I guess.
1: Yeah, I'm not I am not an expert on far right parties in Europe, so I'm not sure what the Swedish Democratic uh, strategy is. Um, but I, in general, Trump is not very popular. But I can imagine that he might be popular among the people who would vote for parties such as this the Sweden Democrats.
0: Yeah, because it's it's very curious also because I was actually some some time ago uh and there was a, an article about from a relatively free market think tank in in in, in Washington DC, the Dennis Cannon Center would talk about Dengmar a lot and it was not to try to to attack Dengmar or, or or but it, it, it pointed a lot of, of the market reforms that, that Dengmar has made. Like Dengmar doesn't have a minimum wage, has very flexible um markets in many ways, uh, um and even quote well, the Cato Institute, I think, has ranked uh, Cato as one of the freest economies in the world, and it was kind of pointing out that some something that could be sound it's strange for, for for libertarians, but but then in some way, Denmark was a, a model much more closer to libertarian ideals than what is today the U.S. and and it was kind of a, a fun and and strange to read it, but in some in some sense, it kind of made some, it had some kind of logic, because uh, when people talk about the neoliberalism of the 90s, I mean, people don't necessarily remind that even Scandinavian countries adopted market reforms, but they didn't do it necessarily in a way that, that completely bankrupted their, their social welfare. They kind of um, have a, a dual system in which they have to make their economies in in, in a international system have to be more competitive. So they in, in fomented market reforms, but at the same time, they they kind of protected to to a certain degree the, the the social welfare state. And and it was very very funny. I think that that I don't know to what degree this article is going to be a relevance in the, in the libertarian movement, because um, I think particularly in, in the U.S., uh, uh, Rothbard and the more radical, even anarcho-capitalists are, are quite popular, even in, in academy, I mean. The, but uh, it's it's much more diverse, I think in economic terms, Scandinavia, in particular than, than than the, than than I think some people want to want to talk because uh, Forbes called digmar the the best place to do business one year. Uh, it's not that Forbes is a, is a socialist magazine, and if I'm not wrong, when when Bernie said that that that, that is socialist, the prime minister said said no, we are a market economy, and and it's it's really kind of show the diversity that that, that, that Scandinavia has. I mean, it's because while social democratic parties, I guess, have been Dominant in, in a lot of ways. It also, um, they have multi party systems and, and, and they are very broad minded, even on social democratic parties that are relatively more market friendly than, 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 I don't know, the other parties on the left in, in other geographies.
1: Well, I, th- I mean, if you want to talk about the place of Scandinavia in American politics, I think, uh, which is true probably of any region or any country. Uh, the US isn't necessarily, Americans aren't necessarily that well-informed. They don't really know what what Scandinavia is or what social democracy is, Uh, which I think you kind of saw in the debate over healthcare and and socialized medicine, whatever that's supposed to mean. Uh, I'm not always sure that they understand these terms and and if they even understand what social democracy is in in Scandinavia and how, how we practice it and how our healthcare or our market liberalism works. so there might be some stereotyping going on um, not in the think tanks that you mentioned but in the general discourse probably. Um, whereas I think most Scandinavians would just use social democracy as the common sense uh, middle of the you know middle way between socialism and uh, free market capitalism. And anyway, the U.S. at this point is going back to the Gilded Age era in terms of <laughs> economic inequality. So I'm not sure that they're on the right path.
0: Yeah, I I, I agree. I mean, there there is a a huge crisis in, in many ways, and and a lot of particularly liber- I have seen that the libertarians are writing a lot about how even in, in in states, red states, for saying in some way that, that have been governed by, by Republicans for a long time. I mean, yes, they have enacted some tax cuts in some way, but uh, they have enacted a lot of regulations. Uh, uh, labor markets in, in in the U.S. are are heavily regulated. I, I would say that uh, looking at an example near um, me, that uh, it's Bolivia. I, they are much more regulated in 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 the in in the most red states and in Bolivia, which has a, a very left leaning um, president, I will say that that even uh, the people the the party of, of Morales is is to left than 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 than, than Maduro. Uh, what I will say is that he doesn't have a, a military structure that has done like what Maduro has done. But they are pretty left wing and they haven't like done what what the uh the the right has made in 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 the red states that it has enacted a lot of regulations uh that that it's a very complex issue because even for for being a hairdresser the, the kind of regulations that they have put and, and it's it's really crazy how how the 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 u.s is working and also for switching jobs the 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 issue that that doesn't seem working. And in that regard, I think that, that that probably the talk in the next election is going to of, of Bernie is going to, to keep going on, on the social democratic grounds because he has shared a video about a, a Finnish author who, who made a, a kind of explanation of, of, of the welfare state, a Nordic theory of everything. And and he has shared that recently and, and it's really seemed like, like Scandinavia is going to continue in the map, at least for, for, uh, for the short time.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, Bernie Sanders using Scandinavia as his, uh, lodestar is though, I think kind of a sign of how, um, outside the mainstream in the U.S. Bernie Sanders is, right? So for us in Scandinavia, we see Bernie Sanders and we hear what he say, and we nod and we're like, yeah, this is, yeah, everything he says makes sense to us. It's completely mainstream. In the U.S. it's not, though. Um, but it is a sign of the times, a sign of how far inequality, economic inequality has come in the U.S., that someone as far outside of the mainstream as Bernie Sanders is making a voice for himself, but I would, it's going to be really interesting to see, I mean, he was such a breakout star, a surprising uh, popular figure in 2016. But now that people have gotten used to him and we've heard this message, I'm curious to see if he tries to run again in 2019, 2020, if he's going to have the same level of popularity
0: yeah that that's that's a huge mystery in reality it's it's difficult to say although i think he has kind of constructed some movement with our revolution and, and although it's it seems very weird but but the d s a is a is a very that that also it wasn't necessarily direct linked with the with the with the party but or the democratic party or or his campaign but they have grew, but they they seem much to the left of, of Bernie, and I don't know to to what degree Bernie could embrace some of this support because they they seem quite radical in many ways. But yeah, it's it's interesting. I think that he is still has some some cool follow. I don't want to say cool following, but, but loyal supporters in, in other ways, and and that that yes, he his loyal kind of supporters are. are it's it's very difficult to say if he is going to be able to to go beyond his base and and to try to to appeal with people that maybe didn't vote for Hillary but maybe didn't vote at all and, and if they want to 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 choose another party it's very interesting to to see to see that so the other thing that I was going to ask you and what's the place of of, of American politics in, in in Scandinavia, so it's much yeah. more talk that, 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 that in other European countries or, or less?
1: Well, so, you know, as small a role as Scandinavia does play in American politics, uh, is as big a role as it plays, as the US plays, I think, in Scandinavian politics. I have to, again, just be specific in that my context is Norwegian. But in Norway, uh, American politics takes up a lot of space. Um, there are some historical reasons for that. We have as many Norwegian Americans in the U.S. as we have uh, Norwegians. We had a huge emigration at the end of the 1800s, so there there are a lot of historical and personal bonds. Um, but also being a part of uh, the the alliance of NATO since a founding member since 1949 has created some strong political and security ties between Norway and the U.S., but also there's a general popular fascination with the United States, with American culture, with American pop culture, and Norwegians are extreme consumers of American TV shows and and music and all these things, and so it is really omnipresent. And this interest in American politics and presidential politics, I think, is just increasing. You know, there was some sort of hate watching during the Bush years, then there was, you know, this love affair during the Obama years, and now there's this morbid reality show that nobody can stop watching. So we're, Norwegians are completely obsessed with the United States.
0: Yeah, that, that, that seems the, the, the case. For example, here in Latin America, there would have been a lot of time attempts to, to create, for example, uh, um, among the, the scholars of, of the the Latin American stories who study Latin America, who study uh, United States to to do some kind of Latin American Association of American Studies and it had failed for for different reasons. But I have seen that there are a lot of of people in Scandinavia and broadly speaking in in Nordic Europe that want to, that that study um, um, American, and not only history, American politics, um, American well, territory, or American, basically any any subject that has to deal with America.
1: Well, actually there's an interesting disconnect here because there aren't necessarily that many people in Norway who study it or who, get, you know, a- obtain degrees in it, you know, there are very few people, you can count them on one or two hands, who have PhDs in American politics But yeah. uh, in Norway. But in general, I think people feel like they they feel like they know so much about the United States that they don't need to learn anything officially. I think okay. they feel. They are, I think in Norway we have about 5 million people who live in Norway, and I think there are about 5 million people in Norway who feel that they are experts on American politics. <laughs>
0: it's, it's, it's quite fun. Well, I guess that also has to do with that, that, that most Scandinavians speak English pretty well, and so they don't have to process their news by other means of...
1: That's true. So there's a direct uh, cons- there's a direct consummation of American output, whether it's news and people can you know go online and watch American news shows or uh, just TV shows or, or music. So that's true. There's no mediation. There's no you just get it directly from the horse's mouth. Um, although I think. Interestingly, with Norwegians who are so well versed in American culture and pop culture and politics, they're consuming it here in a European context. And I think for many, they don't really understand how different the United States actually is from Europe and from Scandinavia especially, unless or until they actually go to the US and travel around a bit outside of New York and San Francisco. Um, and that is, that's, I think, a completely different experience for many.
0: Yeah, I, I guess it's true. I mean, the 90s in Latin America was, it seems like the the US played a much more huge influence in. in, in in Latin America, and but actually since um, since the Bush years, like its influence kind of uh, default in many ways. It's it, it's it has not never recovered actually, and and while there have been attempts of, of making English kind of the second language of Latin America, it has also had many many setbacks, particularly because there are, there are a lot of. of, of of people will still speak uh, indigenous language, so making that people speak another third language is much more difficult. So, so it has had a lot of, of setbacks, and and I guess that's why here in Latin America um, hasn't been. Uh, I mean, the last election has been quite weird because it it has had a lot of courage, but but previous elections kind of uh, of. Doesn't didn't have like much uh, like much uh, I don't know how how to, to put it in this way. I think Not that, that uh, until that moment, it wasn't like many interests in in American politics. It was kind of the first time that that I don't know a professor who teaches American history was 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 on TV talking about this kind of subjects and. and and i think he he had never been on tv just that, that it was so weird that that, that 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 the media wanted to explain it in some way it was very unexpected uh, the trump triumph and and uh, yeah i guess it's 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 really it's really uh, something that has kind of uh, shocked many ways international relations for for the for the time being, in, in, in recent years, and, and and in although in, in terms experience. of uh,
1: uh, Latin Americans learning English as their second language, I guess you don't have to. Pretty soon, uh, all Americans will be speaking Spanish, right? So
0: you're you're fine. Yeah, that that some people say that, but other people <laughs> said that that um, that United States is is semi semantically language. So a lot of people, uh, a lot of German immigrants are. Are, a lot of americans are of, of german descent but but a lot of uh, of them haven't keep with german and some people fear that the same thing is going to happen with 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 the spanish uh, well that's
1: another argument between democrats and republicans right where i guess republicans are more concerned with english being the, la- the should be the official language of the united states whereas uh, maybe if you ask democrats they're not so concerned with people knowing more than one language that it's okay to know more than just English.
0: Yes, I guess something of, of Latin America also should be said is that uh, the crisis has affected a lot the the editorial the industry, so a lot of books, for example, a mainstream book like the, late, late, the last book from Francis Fukuyama hasn't been translated to, to Spanish, so in order to to you know, to to study any subject, you you need to to know at least reading have reading knowledge mm-hmm. of, of English because the the industry is very weak and and the attempt of of, of, of Catalonia to 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 gain independence also have weakened the, the industry because a lot of the of the of the editorial industry in Spanish is is in Barcelona and funny enough, a lot of translators are their first language is not not um not Spanish but Catalan. Uh-huh. <laughs> and some, sometimes that that's why um uh, some people not in Latin America complain. <laughs> because some translations are quite weird. But anyway. Yeah, I I guess that, that it's 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 really I guess yeah, it's it's quite there are many things happening i in in, in in some some strange way they're colliding interests and and yeah, I guess the these these Trump years are, are going to be wilder than than, than we think. And and that leads to to the next subject, the, the, to the last subject, which is your your project, the Ceasefire podcast, which is really interesting because you uh, and, and Emily are outside the U.S. Emily Chernogub, uh, you're outside of the U.S. And how is he studying um, the US from, from outside? Do you think that's so, so right.
1: uh, Yeah, so Emily and I both got our PhDs in American politics uh, in the US, so we were roommates actually in grad school, at the University of Virginia, and then she went back to England and I went back to Norway, to our home countries. So. We have sort of a both sides perspective. We kind of, you know, we have the American perspective. We've been taught the American perspective. And now we're following American politics from, you know, through a European lens. So that, I think, maybe allows us to see a few more nuances that maybe American commentators don't see or don't think about. Um, and to explain things that we think maybe Europeans don't quite understand. So we're we're trying to do a little bit of everything. <laughs> I don't know if, if we're successful, uh, but uh, it's it is really fun. Thank you for for, for listening to our podcast, Camila. We really appreciate it.
0: Well, I, I think with that we could leave it here. So people who should follow the ceasefire run, which is on on iTunes, Yep. and also on a speaker, and um, and follow you on Twitter, which you always post interesting things. So, thanks, Hilary!
1: Thank you so much for having me, this was a lot of fun! Yeah, it
0: was fun. Bye! Bye!